Blog Talk Radio. It's Sunday evening, and welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Your hosts for tonight's show are Robert Brining and Jeremy Dunn. They'll be taking your calls and speaking on the topic of the week. You're encouraged to call in and share some of your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. I am your host, Robert Brining. I want to thank you all for tuning in and wish everyone a happy Labor Day. Um, be safe this weekend. Don't drink too much. Don't drink and drive. Have a good time. Um, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, we're back from vacation. We were off the last two weeks um, just playing catch-up on other things um, with the social network and aspect of uh, Pause I Am. Uh, you, tonight, Jeremy uh, has the night off, and tonight we're actually kicking off a new format where we're going to have a guest um, co-host, and tonight's guest co-host is Scott Kramer. Scott, welcome. Hello. How are you? Good, good. I'm glad to have you back. Yes, it's great to be back. <laughs> so how you been? Good, good. Uh, I've been very good, very busy, um, you know, just trying to get it all done, and uh, I'm happy to be here and talk about all the hot topics. Right, it should be very, very interesting. Um, as I was saying all right before you came on is that we're starting a new format with um, a different guest co-hosts um, at least twice a month. So Jack and Jeremy will be back every month um, depending on their availability. Um, I know Jeremy right now is uh, planning his wedding, which is coming up. And I know Jack, um, you know, just got back, I think, from his brother's wedding, but is going through so much stuff with just the gay games he came back from. And with all the walks coming up, he does a lot of, um, you know, appearances at the walks where he goes and talks about uh, the Living Positive by Design, and I believe he's doing something this year with um, the HIV and Me producer, Adam Abernathy, uh, the guy who put that whole series together with Angina for Logo. I think they're doing something, um, you know, this year in the mix when they come to Philly, and I know I'm going to be getting involved with that. I'm not sure exactly what it is. I know it has something to do with, I think, filming videos, but I don't know too much about it. I'm waiting to hear more back, but that should be interesting. But, um, oh, I know they're just busy doing all these things, so I said, you know, let me do something instead of, because sometimes it's hard to find guests, you know, as you can imagine, and it, it's not the, the easiest thing to do. So I said, let me bring back some of my, you know, favorite guests, and of course, Scott, you were the top of the list. <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and you've co-hosted with me before when, you know, Jeremy or Jack was out, so I was like, let me, you know, bring it back and have somebody different, and I know next week we're going to have Brian Finch from um, PositiveLight.com. Um, the right. online uh, web is he's going to come on and do an hour uh, with me next week, and then uh, Jack will be back with you. Your uh, is he your friend Scott Fried, or is um, he just somebody he, you know? He's someone that I know through somebody else that wrote this um, amazing book. Uh, he works with young people, and uh, and they wrote poetry and shared stories and stuff like that, and. Uh, just wonderful. So I'm glad that um, you were able to fit him in and get him on the show. Yes, yes. I'm actually excited to have him on because I've seen his photo before. So when I went to his website, I was like, I know I've seen this guy before. And um, he actually, uh, his, his people sent me uh, his book, A Private Midnight, which is I'm just getting started to look at it now because I have some downtime. And it should be very uh-huh. interesting. It's like a scrapbook um, for Great. teenagers. So it's kind of very, uh, very cool, very cool. So. 
Uh, yeah. I just want to thank everybody for tuning in. And again, uh, you have me and Scott Kramer this evening. Uh, my name is Robert Brining, and we are going to basically do a night of hot topics, talk about some things that made the headlines all around the world in uh, HIV and AIDS community. So um, I know one of the things that we were talking about earlier were the AIDS walk um, that I was telling you about. I know Philadelphia has one coming up actually October 17th. It's a Sunday here. And we know we do this huge walk. We meet at the art museum where the Rocky went up the steps. Everybody knows the steps from um, from Rocky. And oh, yeah. uh, we we literally walk around Kelly Drive. It's really, you know, a nice walk. Usually it's beautiful out. Uh, last year, actually, it rained. Uh, that oh. was when I first met Jack, and it poured. It poured. But we had a good time. We had a good time. We do that every year. Um, isn't your walk coming up sometime soon? Well, actually, well, one thing I wanted to ask you was, you know, you're an athlete. Did you ever run up those stairs and, and you know, do the Rocky thing? Uh, of course I did. You know, I did it when I was younger, like in high school, I think after a prom or something, we took a limo there and we were drunk <laughs> running up and down the steps. <laughs> Excellent. Good. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you did that because that was just a little fantasy I had, and I'm glad that it just came true. <laughs> Everybody does that. Everybody does that. You see, like, when they come here, they go to those steps. That's when people come to Philly. Not for the Liberty Bell. Yeah. You know, they come for the Rocky Steps. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, the AIDS Walk in New York happens in May. Um, usually, I think it's the weekend after Mother's Day. So it's usually um, a pretty nice weekend. It's not too hot yet. And um, <clears throat> so this past year was very well attended, and I actually uh, have a team. It's called Invincible, the Pat Benatar team. And uh, we raised a whole bunch of money this year. I've been doing it since uh, 2000. And the money that we raise um, goes to support GMHC and the LGBT Center and lots of local organizations. So, um, you know, as you can imagine, I, I think that they're, all the AIDS walks are pretty much the same, where it's a really nice gathering of community and raising money and raising awareness. Yeah, it's great to see, you know, so many people turn out. Because I know here we have a lot of people, like, I want to say, like, 15,000 people show up. Wow. For these walks, like, in Philly, yeah, I mean, it's a really big thing. And it's good to see, like, there's kids there who are, like, from sports teams who are who are walking, you know, with all their, their, their teammates or their cheerleaders, and they're all walking together, you know what I mean? You know, probably none of them themselves are positive, but they're walking, you know, as a statement, and it's always really interesting to see the type of people who show up because it's not always, um, you know, people who just have the disease who walk. And I think that's something that people need to realize. Right, exactly. And one thing that I did this year was um, I work at a place called the Hetrick Martin Institute, which is a, an agency that serves um, young, primarily LGBTQ young people between the ages of 13 and 24 um, in a variety of capacities. But I put together the Hetrick Martin team, and we all walked together, and it was just a really nice and inspiring thing. And what I found was um, that there are so many people that walk in the New York AIDS walk, and there's a lot of young people from schools and, you know, also as in the Philadelphia walk from teams, sports teams and things like that. And, uh, and then there's other people that walk that have – names of loved ones that maybe have passed away or that they're honoring that are living with it um, on their shirts and things like that. So it's a really, really nice um, thing to to participate in and 
to witness, you know, when you can sort of stop and look around and look at the people and the sense of community that it builds. And there's a couple of dabs, dab the AIDS bears there as well. I was carrying one, and I know that there were a few others too. So it's nice to have dab the AIDS bear with us. Yeah, it was funny because last year when I went, it was raining, and I had to make a little raincoat out of a tra- yellow trash bag for my dad, the AIDS bear, and I had his little ears, you know, poking out. And it was kind of really, you know, it was cool to have him there with me because it was the first time I actually brought dabs with me anywhere because I just recently got them at that point. But, um, yeah. you know, one of the other things that they uh, do at the AIDS Walk here in Philly is they actually put out, like, a timeline with signs, um, basically starting, you know, I guess from the 90s, and then you go up every so many years, and there's a little sign there, and it has a photo, and it gives you a description. And I think, like, one of them talks about, I don't remember the years off the top of my head, but, like, 1997 was talking about Pedro, you know, appeared on The Real World, and then there was a year, and they talked about Ryan White, and then they just give different statistics of, you know, of how the statistics change from year to year, you know, from the 80s on up all the way to the right. present day. So it's kind of something that you can go and you can actually teach younger people, you know, different things, the history of it as you're walking. Absolutely. Wow, that's a really great idea. Um, you know, and, and something, well, two things that I just thought of as you were saying that was um, I went to, I think it was Montreal or um, somewhere in Canada that, that's not too far away last summer. And one thing that I saw, um, I went to an AIDS memorial and it was a a really beautiful memorial where they had um, sort of vertical silver plaques um, that lined a garden and each plaque had a different year on it and then um, someone that had passed away from AIDS in that year and so what you saw was it went from like 1981 or something all the way to the present day and you saw that in the early to mid-90s, there were many plaques with the same year, and that was sort of like the peak, you know, of the epidemic before protease inhibitors came out, um, and people were still getting sick fairly quick and dying. And then, um, as those drugs came and the combination therapies started happening, there were less and less um, people on these plaques and just less plaques in general. So that was a good thing to see, but I think it brings to light um, sort of the idea that people today, young people today, may not have seen the uh, the huge devastation that happened in the 80s and the early 90s and the mid-90s even. Um, <clears throat> so there must be a way to sort of bring that back and, and raise that awareness. And I think that these walks are one of those ways to do that. So I love that idea of having, having a timeline. Yeah, I mean, even people like my age, I mean, I'm 31, and I don't really remember, you know, the big loss of everything. So seeing something like that, like you said, the memorial, and putting the the numbers in perspective and, you know, seeing it visually, it really takes a toll on somebody, you know, when you see it, because you, you don't realize how big it is because you really don't hear about it now. Right. That's so true, you know, and, and I'm 42, so I'm like 11 years older than you, and I don't even remember it. Um, in right. the way that people that are older than me remember it. And I think that, um, you know, that's a shame. And, and I can't even remember, actually, the last time the quilt has been displayed in its entirety. But I remember seeing um, seeing pictures of when it was displayed um, in the mall on Washington. 
and mm-hmm. uh, and I don't think I ever got the opportunity or that it was ever displayed after that, and so I never got down to see the entire quilt displayed, which takes up an enormous amount of space. Um, but every once in a while, they'll display a few pieces of the quilt at Gay Men's Health Crisis here in New York and other places. Um, but it would be nice to be able to display that again at some point in the future. Yeah, that's what they do um, here for the AIDS Walk uh, in Philly. They they always display certain, you know, panels, different panels every year. You know, they bring it and they switch it out. So every year I go and I take photos of the panels. But I would actually love to see, like you said, all in one piece, um, yeah. just to see what that would look like. But um, that kind of reminds me, uh, you, you remember Kenji, right? Yeah, of course. I was actually uh, emailing him the other day, and we were chatting back and forth, I think, in an email, and he was telling me about I discovered this thing that he's doing. Uh, you were talking about the quilt, and it's called The Living Quilt. And I believe if you go to YouTube and look it up online, um, what he's basically doing is creating a quilt, um, and people, you know, who are living with HIV can create panels for this quilt. Oh. And it's like creating um, – like, there's more information there, but I, I think I'm going to have him come on and go into a little bit more depth about it. But it, it's basically a quilt for people who are, you know, who are living with the disease who are alive to show, you know, how many years the, the, the survival of it. You know what I mean? Especially right. seeing, like, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. But I don't know. I don't got all of the, you know, all the logistics to it all. But it, it right. sounds interesting, and I'm going to have him come on and talk about it. But I know people can go check that out at YouTube. I think it's called the Living Quilt. It sounds really interesting. I have to, I'm not a fancy sewer or knitter, so I I have to really <laughs> take my time to make a quilt. <laughs> sure. I mean, you know what would be awesome would be to have a quilt with the Pause I Am logo on it, and then maybe mm-hmm. we can all sign it or something, you know? Yeah, that would be really cool now that you think about it, yeah. Yeah. yeah I have yeah. to look um, into that. But um, yeah. one of the other things that we do here in um, – in Philly, we have gay bingo um, like almost every month. Do you have that for like fundraisers and stuff? Um, you know, there there's a ton of fundraisers here in New York. They happen all the time, and I get like Facebook invitations and all sorts of things <laughs> letting me know when they are. But to tell you the truth, they're usually during the week, and I don't really generally go out during the week because of my schedule. Right. But um, some of them are really interesting. There's like porno bingo, and there's <laughs> some really interesting things here um, that could be really fun to go to. Um, and so, you know, and, and there's another one called Breaking the Cycle um, that's a fundraiser that happens here. And Breaking the Cycle is um, <clears throat> a 275-mile bike ride from Boston to New York. And it benefits um, the LGBT Center's um, AIDS services programs, um, of which there are many. Uh, they, it serves the young people in terms of prevention. It serves um, adults in terms of counseling and therapy and um, prevention as well. And uh, it's a really amazing time. I did it for the first time last year. Um, I was on the crew, which means I'm a support person, and um, so I don't ride a bike because I have no place to put one in my apartment, and uh, and I have no energy <laughs> to actually do that, but I do have energy to support, so um, I'm doing it again this year, and it happens at the end of September. I'll put a link in the chat room, but it's breakingthecycle.org, and um, it's a really amazing, amazing 
fundraising event. Um, and there's a group of people in Breaking the Cycle called the Positive Peddlers. And those are a group of people that are um, positive, HIV positive, that um, are out about it. And they have little orange flags. And um, they're able to come together and bring that part of their community um, to Breaking the Cycle. And I'm, I think I'm, I, I shouldn't say I'm the only PosPed crew, um, but I'm one of the PosPed crew people um, and proud and happy to be part of that. So that's yeah, we actually had, um, we had somebody on from uh, the, the PosPed Um Oh, you did? Uh, yeah, I want to say her name was Sherry. Um, I'm drawing a blank, but I can't remember right now. But we had her on before, and she came on and shared her her story and how she got involved and, you know, how that had changed her experience of getting involved with anything like that. Because for me, you know, any kind of sports team kind of support for me works really, you know, it's something that I saw as a positive change in my life because now I have, like, you know, some sort of a support system where it's not always surrounded around HIV. You know what I mean? Right. So I could relate to her on that level. One of the other things that we do here in Philly, like I was telling you, is we do these, we get a gay bingo, because a lot of people want to come out and support, but they hate doing the walks. You know, they don't want to get up so early, they don't want to walk so long, you know, and all that other yeah. stuff. So every month we do a gay bingo that benefits the um, AIDS service organizations here in Philly. And we have one coming September 11th, which is a Saturday, and it's Lady Gaga bingo. I mean, they have different, yeah, they have different, the dry queen toast, and they have different themes, every one they have, um, Lady Gaga Bingo, The Witches of Gay Bingo, um, Beauty Queen's Gone Wrong, I mean, so many, so 15 minutes of fame bingo, they'll probably do like a Snooki and a John Cape will say, but they do different things like that, so you can go and do those things, and they're fun, you know what I mean, like yeah. the first, one of the first dates when I went out with, um, with Joe was to a gay bingo, and I set it up for our team, and you can go and buy a game and sponsor a game. I forget how much it was, you know what I mean? And then you sit down, and you get a table, and, and you just play these games, and it's just fun. It's inexpensive. It's not really, you know, way over the top, going to cost you a lot of money, and it's a fun thing to do with your, your friends. Right, right. Yeah, Which I think brings that's, us, a, that's a great thing. Did you say you actually do the bike? Cause, uh, I don't I do can't. the bike. Um, I don't do the bike, but I do um, support the riders by being on the crew. And so um, my role is um, I run one of the oases, and that is when the riders um, the riders get a break, like a rest stop or a pit stop, like every, I don't know, 15 or 20 miles or something like that. And so I'm one of the people who runs one of those. And so at these pit stops, they can rest, they can uh, – you know, use the bathroom, they can get a power bar, they can um, hydrate, um, listen to music, and we try and make it fun so that when they ride in after being on these hills and expending all of this amazing energy, <laughs> um, that they can maybe laugh a little bit and they can rest and relax and have a good time. Um, so it's a really very moving um, experience, and <clears throat> on the last day, when, oh, and we don't get a whole lot of sleep either. So, you know, that's another thing. Everyone is so very tired <laughs> by the end of it. It's emotionally exhausting and it's physically exhausting, especially for the riders. And uh, so on the last day, which is um, usually on a Sunday, the whole street in front of um, Manhattan's LGBT center is closed off and there's a big ceremony that happens. 
and there's people that speak and performers and um, they present like sort of a check to the center for the money that the riders raise because each rider has to raise at least $3,500. So it's a really huge fundraiser for um, for the center. And, and this year the center has their own team um, and the executive director of the center is actually riding. And uh, so that should be really fun to uh, to be with their team as well. No, that's cool. That reminds me of um, one of the, the headlines that we were going to cover tonight was um, the events that are going on in Utah. You know, a lot of the things that we talk about on the show and here in the news are always, um, you know, California, New York, Philadelphia, Florida. It's always the coasts. And, you know, a lot of people who, you know, are in Utah always ask about things that are going on. And I took some notes coming up on um, September 12th. They're doing actually a three-event uh, fundraiser for the ASOs in Utah. On September 12th, they're doing an Aqua Aid, um, which is a poolside event that they do. And uh, at the end of it, I, I was reading they do, uh, you know, uh, drag queens are in the pool with their wigs, singing, dancing, having fun. You know what I mean? So it, it seems like a really fun event to go to. Yeah, yeah. You know, for, for me, I mean, I, I kind of like events like that to kind of, you know, put the, the make, make you laugh about it and remind you that you're doing something good, but you're there to laugh as well. Absolutely, and I think it's a really good way, again, to just be a part of the community. It's a really easy way to, um, you know, to raise money and have a good time all at the same time. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah, it's, it's always fun to do it like that. Um, and then also on September 18th, there's actually two walks that go, coincide at the same time. They have a walk to life, which obviously is going to be their AIDS walk for the Utah area. And there is a bike for life, which I am assuming it is bikers mm-hmm. and not actually motor, not actually like, you know, 10 speed bike. <laughs> it's actually bikers and it's a 22 mile uh, ride and you can find information on those events at utahaids.org. Um, right. That always sounds like fun. I would always want, I don't want to run, but I wouldn't mind doing the bike if I had a bike. Yeah, you know, I, it's interesting because I, um, just in terms of biking and getting um, exercise and being healthy and things like that. I know you get a lot of exercise. You're an athlete, and so um, you're always sort of running around and doing sports and things like that, and that's amazing. Um, I have joined a gym for the – I don't know how how many times I've joined a gym and not gone, um, but I always like to have the membership just in case, and so – um, I joined the gym a couple of weeks ago, and I got to tell you, it, it came with a um, two free personal training sessions. So um, I was walking in one day, and this kind of cute guy looked at me, and I looked at him, and he said, hi, how are you? And I, I was like, I sort of turned around, and I was like, is he talking to me? And, uh, <laughs> and he was. And, and then I realized he was a personal trainer and, <laughs> you know, uh, wanted some business. And I was like, oh, all right, whatever. So, um, anyway. You like those people at the furniture store who, like, <laughs> talk to you and never leave you? <laughs> right. And I'm like, oh, that figures. So, uh, so, anyway, I went to two personal training sessions with him this week. And I have to tell you that I can't even stand up straight right now because my stomach hurts so bad. <laughs> I'm like, I'm incredibly hurt. sore. Yeah, it's it's well, you know what? People say it's a good hurt and work through the the pain and 
you know, I never really um, never really got that, um, but I'm trying to take that um, in and and make it work because I know that being active is uh, is being healthy, and so I'm I'm trying to uh, to make that happen. But unfortunately, no more personal training sessions because it's like ninety dollars per session, and uh, that's you know that's sort of expensive. But I can still walk by the front desk and look at him, and <laughs> that'll be my motivation. <laughs> Yeah, once you get a routine, you don't need a personal trainer. But, you know, who knows? I don't know. I, I was never the gym person. I, I can't get into it for some reason. I don't know if, um, you know, conscious about me going there and lifting weights in front of people and me not, you know what I mean? I just, just the upper body isn't my thing. And I want it to be my thing because I want, you know, an upper body like you see on TV. But it just, you know, it ain't going to happen unless you do the lifting. And I'm just too lazy to do that. <laughs> right, me too. I, I, I mean, I gotta tell you, you know, my my balance is really bad, and uh, he put me on this really odd thing. I, a lot of a lot of people probably have, excuse me, seen this thing before, but it's like a ball that is is sort of half a ball, right? So on one side it's curved like a ball, and on the other side it's flat. And so he just jumped onto it and was balancing on it and stuff like that. And then he said, "Okay, now you do it." And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> and then he, he was like, okay, now now do squats. And I was like, all right. And then he and then he brought over two um, weights, like two little dumbbells. And he said, okay, now lift the weights while you're standing on this trying to balance. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is this is out of control. But um, you know, all that being said, it's very important to get exercise and to uh, aerobic and strength building. Very important. So everybody should be doing that. Yeah, I mean, and, and a lot of people don't know this, but, you know, I mean, I know not everybody who's listening is in the gay community, but there are sports teams for, you know, the gay community themselves. Like I said, I play for a gay soccer team. I know, like, uh, I believe, you know, Jack swims for a gay swim team. So there's different kinds of, there's tennis, I mean, there's frisbee, there's rugby. I know we have gay softball here in Philly. I mean, there's oh, yeah. everything, men and women. I mean, there's a way to get out there. And usually in those types of things, I know for my team here in Philly, it's we take anybody on. We're 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 gay and gay friendly, so you know we allow we let straight people play with us, and you know that's what makes it cool because it's so diverse that they don't yeah. care. They just want to play soccer, and then we get from all skill levels. We have from people who play really really good to people who are are just starting out. Right. And that's always and that's fun. great because it, it could be really hard to break into that to that sort of thing, especially when you feel like you have no idea what you're doing, um, <laughs> and uh, and aren't going to be good, and kind of you know you're going to bring bring the rest of the team down. But it's fun. It's a lot of fun. It's good exercise, and it's the only exercise I get. <laughs> <laughs> so it works for me. Exactly. We're actually going to be doing this um, event coming up October 9th. Um, I don't have all the information about it because it's still fairly new, but we're doing some sort of tournament in my soccer team, the Falcons, um, and it's going to be on October 9th. Like I said, it's a Saturday, and it's a tournament that is raising uh, awareness for um, HIV-AIDS Latino Awareness Day, okay. which I believe is that day. So we're doing some little event. I'll, obviously, I'll blog about it, and you know, I'll have more information as it gets closer so people who are interested can participate because there will be teams from all over, you know, playing in this little tournament. So it should be fun. Excellent. That's great. We'll definitely, um, 
you know, post when it's going to be happening. Are there are there donations that people can make, or are there is there anything people can do I, online? I, I don't really know as of yet, just because okay. it's so new. Um, I know they did it last year, but really I wasn't really playing because I kind of took a break. So now that I'm back, I'm trying to fold back into it, and since this is the first event that I know that the soccer team's doing that's surrounding HIV and AIDS, I kind of want to, like, get really involved in it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, because it's kind of like two of my passions together, so it, it should be really cool. But I'll have more information on that, and I'm sure there'll be a page where people can, can donate and, and stuff along that. Uh, just to remind people, you guys can give us a call all hour here uh, with either comments, questions, or if there's something, a hot topic that you'd like to talk about, you can reach us at 347-215-9442. We're about halfway through the show. Um, we're going to move on to the next hot topic. Scott, you want to take that one? Sure. Uh, the next hot topic is caring for a loved one with HIV and AIDS. And um, that becomes a really important thing to think about, um, especially as we were talking before about all these fundraisers that happen, the AIDS walks and the bike and things like that. Um, ever since the medications came out, more people are living with HIV and AIDS. And so that means that more people know people that are living with it, and more people have to help care and support people that have HIV and AIDS. So um, it's a really important thing, and um, there's a there's a good article that sort of um, I'm looking at right now that sort of tells how to stay safe when caring for a loved one with HIV and AIDS, and um, it's I'll put the link in the... Um, I just did that, actually. It's actually... A, a, the article uh, came out of uh, the Jamaican Observer. Observer, um, yeah. You know, so I just put the link in there. People can check it out. There's uh, uh, some some interesting things there that people can check out, you know, for, for caregiving, because a lot of people forget about that, the people who take care of the people yeah. who are living with HIV and AIDS. And I think, like you said earlier, it's so important for them to do that, you know, which is kind of one of the reasons why... On Pause I Am, we allow, you know, people who are, you know, affected by the disease to come in and join, and we have their own little group where they can start discussions and, and ask questions to each other, you know, about taking care of people they love who, who have this disease. It's, it's important for them not to be left out of this. Sure, and I mean, this article, as I sort of go over it, um, reminds me of sort of the early days of HIV and AIDS, and um, it's it's really talking about uh, when a person is very, very um, ill yeah. and sick. And so it's, it's sort of like, um, you know, keeping them in a room that might be near a bathroom and making sure that when you touch them, you know, maybe that your hand is, is uh, cool and not hot and having disposable gloves and um, flushing all liquid waste and things like that. Um, but... There's another really important piece of that um, these days especially, and that is sort of supporting, supporting people that are living with HIV and AIDS and also supporting the caregivers. Um, that's not something that a lot of people necessarily think about. And in my role as a social worker at HMI, I started a group called um, HIV Infected and Affected Support Group, which isn't like the most uh, sexy name or anything, but it seems to work <laughs> and it's, it's fairly descriptive. And um, <laughs> so that's really good for the, the young people that come in. And so 
There are times when there are people that are um, infected, and then there's other times when people just want to know more about it, and they just want to talk about their experiences having friends or family members that are living with it, and sort of how they can get their feelings out without having the person living with the disease feel bad or feel bad that they might be feeling bad. Um, and so that's a really important piece of it. And the people that are living with HIV AIDS right now um, aren't necessarily sick, 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 bedridden sick, um, but they might be um, – you know, taking medications and they could have side effects from that or they could be depressed or or none of that. <laughs> they might be just perfectly fine and and going on about their business day to day. Um, but I think it's important to remember that um, everybody who's affected needs support as well and everybody needs to be cared for it, um, if they're touched by HIV and AIDS. No, absolutely, and I just like we said, we put the link in in the chat room so people can go ahead and check out that article there. Um, like I said, it's from uh, the Jamaican Observer or Jamaica Observer, um, yeah. and they can check all the details out because it kind of really gets into it, and it is really uh, talking about the end stages of um, taking care of somebody at the end stages of HIV/AIDS. I, I believe. Right. Right. Um, right. So just so people don't get the wrong idea, this isn't something you know. Once you're diagnosed, you're going to have all these symptoms. Usually that's not the case. <laughs> Usually right. that's not the case. <laughs> Just to put it out there. So one of the, um, the other things I'm kind of really excited about is um, the Los Angeles Times reported uh, that Sesame Street is going to come out with a version in Nigeria, which is um, very cool because, you know, Sesame Street is huge all over the world. I mean, uh, yeah. looking at my notes, I mean, it's in 140 nations. Um, have their own different version or version of Sesame Street um, from Israel to the obviously the United States all the way to South Africa. And um, South Africa was the one Sesame Street that became very controversial um, because of them having uh, the, the Muppet named Cammy, who is an HIV positive Muppet and talks about, you know, living with HIV and AIDS. And it was something that people were so bent over like, how could you talk to kids about a disease? And it was really big, um, I want to say, in the political field on certain right-wing Fox 29 News or something, I think. <laughs> um, you know, somebody from, like, that area said something along the lines, like it was, you know, teaching your kids about sex and stuff. And it was really educating your kids. And so Nigeria is coming out with this very cool version of uh, the show. And there's actually two Muppets that are – in, are, are the lead Muppets of the show, and the one is Cami, who is from the South African version, and she's a yellow, uh, her yellow fur matches dandelions on her vest, and Zobie, who resembles a mint green shag carpet. Cami is an orphan who is HIV positive, and her purpose is to explain blood safety to, to children through her own story, and Zobie, whose yellow cab lacks an engine, teaches an emptiness getting entangled in a mosquito net while explaining malaria prevention. So Zobie talks about malaria and the importance of mosquito nets to children, and Cammy talks about HIV and blood safety. Which and I they think are it's a so good thing. adorable. They are really, really cute. Let me uh, 
put that link in there for the people in the chat room to check that I out. I just did. All right, good, good. <laughs> so people can check it out. And the interesting thing enough is I actually run, uh, there's a Cami, um page on Facebook, and I run that. So if people want to go on Facebook and search Cami, um, I think it's Cami from Sesame Street is the name of it, and you can go and you can like Cami. And I think it's really cool for people to show support for that. And, you know, from the bottom of the article from when they talk to these children and the children – you know, are asking the parents, um, are these Muppets from heaven? You know what I mean? To me, that's really, really cool in that these children are still gathering, you know, even, with, you know, the, in community centers and run-down schools on worn floors just to get a glimpse of this, what they call Sesame Square, because in Nigeria, the squares, or the streets are called squares. That's where people kind of uh, meet to get news and stuff like that, I guess kind of like a town square. Yeah. It's kind of interesting like that. So they do that, and it allows these kids to think that there's something outside of their poverty, you know, crushed neighborhoods and, and, and country. So it's really kind of cool, and, and I think it's, it's a great step, and I think they should make visits over here into the United States Sesame Street. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think that, you know, young people and people, you know, kids that watch Sesame Street, there they always sort of surprise me. Um, I think – they're the ones that are much more open and less jaded than the adults can be. And they don't see the, the world the same way adults do. And so when, when young people think about um, HIV and AIDS and they see it through the, through the eyes of uh, these Muppets, I think it's much easier for them to take than when adults hear about it and they have all these views of maybe um, how people might get it and um, sort of negative ideas and negative views and, and things like that. And so um, I think the idea of Muppets being able to spread HIV awareness is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I wish that there was there was more stuff like this. No, I totally agree. And I think it's important um, – for people to realize that you can talk to your kids about HIV and AIDS and, you know, safety precautions you need to take without teaching your kids about sex, especially at a young age, because obviously at, you know, five and six, they're not having sex. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So hopefully they're not. Um, But, you know what I mean? You should be able to talk to your kids about blood safety and, and not to really touch certain people, you know, people's bloods you know, without being safe and making sure that, you know, you're taking care of because you never know what anybody could have. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the, the, the younger you, the, let's see, the younger that you get to be able to talk to them in terms that they can understand and make it less of a scary thing and normalize it more, um, the less they're going to be scared of stuff when they get older. You know, I, I'd love to hear from people who might have, young kids and hear what they think about it um, and when they think is like when when and what they think age-appropriate discussions might be. Um, I mean, it's my understanding that um, you sort of wait for a young person to possibly ask a question or seem interested or you can bring up a topic and see where they go with it. Um, sort of like the topic of being gay, right? So mm-hmm. uh, my husband and I are married, and so we're always together. And 
I imagine it would be sort of obvious to our nieces and nephews that we're always together and, you know, we're sort of like a couple, like mommy and daddy might be a couple. Um, but you sort of wait until they ask, you know. And so one time <laughs> my niece did ask. She she asked her mom. She said, are, are Uncle Scott and Uncle Rex gay? And mommy said, yes, they are. They're They're just like mommy and daddy. And uh, she said, oh, my goodness, I just can't deal with this right now. I'll have to think about it and get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You know, actually, we do have a, a funny – we have a caller here, and she is a mother, so maybe we can talk to her about um, the appropriate age. Um, I believe Great. this is Molly. Molly, are you there? Hey, guys. Molly. How are you, honey? Hey. It's great to talk to you. How are you doing? Good, good. And you guys? Great. 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 Um, well, I can't really answer your question, Robert, because um, my son, um, my children are very young. Um, my son is going to be four on Friday, and he has autism, so that's kind of would be hard to explain to him. Um, and also, my daughter's going to be two in November, so she's fairly young too. So, but I had a question, if you don't mind me asking. Oh, go ahead. Okay. Sure. Okay. Um, you were talking about the pos uh the HIV positive Muppet? Yes. Yeah. Um is that here in America or is that um overseas? Do you know um, that? it originated in uh the South African uh Sesame Street version first. Okay. Uh, her name is Tammy and now Nigeria is uh bringing out a version called Sesame Square who is having uh Cammy as one of the main characters. I think she's just Kind of like, uh, you know, like if you watch Sesame Street now, she's not like an Elmo or a Big Bird. It's okay. kind of like a cookie monster who makes yeah. uh, every once in a while there's an appearance. Where here on the Nigerian one, I think it'll be, she's like one of the main characters. She'll be like the Big Bird. Gotcha. Because I didn't, I didn't, I mean, I I don't watch Sesame Street that much, but I, I was I was going to look for her on ours, but uh, here in the U.S., but I didn't see her, so I was kind of wondering... Huh. Yeah, I, okay. I think she may have made an appearance once, and I think that may have what caused the uproar. I'm not sure. Scott, do you know anything about that? Um, I'm not really sure. I mean, I I could guess. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, I, I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, I just posted the Facebook link to Cami. Um, okay. So if you if you're in the chat room, um, take a look at that, and you can see all about Cami and. And just how yeah. cute she is and, and what a good job she's doing in spreading awareness and uh, yeah. uh, and happiness to all of the young people that can enjoy her. Yeah. So I'm sorry I couldn't answer the question since you guys, oh, I know you guys were... Okay. Okay. And you guys have a great night, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks. Have Thanks. a great night, Thanks too. for calling, Molly. No problem. Bye. 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 Yeah, I don't know what, you know, I, I uh, my agency... Um, is the partner organization for the Harvey Milk High School in New York City. And so we work actually in the same building on the same floor. And I know that um, there is a comprehensive HIV and sex education curriculum um, that New York City has. And I know that they – it's sort of um, – I was looking through it actually a couple of weeks ago, and it's a little bit more advanced even than – than I thought it was going to be. Um, it's for, I, I believe it's for high school students, but it really um, sort of spells out what HIV is and how you get it, and they talk about um, anal sex and oral sex and vaginal sex, and um, 
I, I was surprised at how open and honest the, the curricula are. Um, I believe that parents can have their kids, they, they can opt out of it, um, but I think it's a, a really good thing to have. And I'm, I'm proud of, <laughs> that's one of the things I'm proud of the um, Board of Education about, the Department of Education. Right. One of the other things that we wanted to talk about was um, you brought up today's a special day, um, yeah. you know, for uh, certain reasons. So um, do you want to talk about that, about, you know, what whose birthday it is today? And Yeah, today is Freddie Mercury's birthday. Um, he would be, I think we said, 64 today um, had he, if he was still alive. He actually died in 1991 um, of complications related to AIDS. And I believe that um, I have his Wikipedia page <laughs> open right now. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, it says that he died of bronchopneumonia brought on by AIDS um, November 24, 1991, only one day after publicly acknowledging that he had AIDS. And so I think that that was such a different time in um, the AIDS crisis that people felt so uncomfortable and stigmatized about um, having HIV and AIDS that, that he couldn't even tell anybody until the day before he died. Um, and and I think that, that things like that can still happen today. You know, the stigma is so huge um, that people are just scared. Yeah, absolutely. And um, for people who are not familiar, uh, he's the lead singer of Queen. Um, and yep. he was known for his, you know, flamboyantness on the stage. And, uh, you know, for people who I, – I was first introduced to Queen. I mean, obviously, we, I heard the songs, We Will Rock You, and – you know, we are the champions. I knew those songs, but I never knew who sung them. Uh, but I remember it, like, it really hit big when Bohemian Rhapsody came out in Wayne's World. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, like, that's what I remember hearing that, like, for the first time and, like, falling in love with Queen and Freddie Mercury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, totally. And I, I think, mean, you know, at the time when you were talking about, you know, him coming out the day before... Not only was he dealing with the, at the, the time frame of when he was diagnosed and how early it was in, in, in you know, the history of AIDS, but he was also dealing with being a superstar. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which is another barrier that a lot of people use as an excuse not to come out as living with AIDS. Mm. I mean, that's why I always tap, tap my, tip my hat to uh, Magic Johnson, people who are, you know, in the spotlight who actually say, look, you know, I am HIV positive and are, and are living it and letting people know about it. So, I mean, it took a lot of guts for him to do that the day before. Oh, definitely. You know, and and it's just um, he, he the man was a genius. I mean, I don't think that anybody can dispute that, <laughs> that he was really a musical genius. Um, and he has influenced so many people, um, so many musical people, um, people with HIV and AIDS, gay people. Um, he's a legend, and um, he was the first major rock star to die from AIDS, and so that's a really important thing to note. Um, and I think that, um, you know, people just really need to, to remember that he was sort of one of the first really big people 
um, to die of it. It was like him and Rock Hudson. And mm-hmm. from what I remember, that was pretty much it, <laughs> you know, um, back then. I mean, the only other, yeah, well, back then, I mean, the only other person I remember, like, in the spotlight when you heard about it was uh, Arthur Ashe. Yes, yes. The tennis player. Yes. I mean, and I think that was when I was, like, I think that was in the 90s, wasn't it? I believe so. I think you might be right, yeah. Yeah. And then I remember, like, grade school, so, I mean, I didn't, to me, it didn't even make, like, it didn't even hit me. Right, right. And, you know, it's also interesting because sometimes when I think of famous people that die of HIV and AIDS, I feel more connected to the ones that um, maybe that were gay for some mm-hmm. reason because that's another connection that I have with yeah. them. And so oh. um, although Arthur Ashe wasn't gay, um, and, and I can't remember exactly, I think it's noted somewhere um, how he got it, um, I feel more connected to someone like Freddie Mercury or Keith Haring, the artist, um, mm-hmm. or Pedro or, or people like that. Um, but it's also interesting that you bring up Arthur Ashe. Um, he's someone that I don't necessarily um, remember as a person uh, dying from AIDS, but the U.S. Open is happening right now, right down the street from me, because I live in Queens uh, in oh. New York City. And, um, you know, the the main arena over there is Arthur Ashe Stadium, and so that's where they're playing right now, <laughs> you know, oh, wow. for the next week, and so it's a real tribute um, to him and the community to have something so, such a, a big venue named after him. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's incredible, and I think, um, you know, more people need to know people like that, you know, more people need to share their story. I mean, it shouldn't have to be after they pass away when their story is told. People should start standing up and telling their story now, I think. And, you know, and that's why we kind of do this show, so people can have that chance to stand up and share their story with everybody who may not feel comfortable going in front of people and standing up. You know, so yeah. we offer the show to kind of to spawn off of that and, and put a new twist on it, I hope. so. Exactly, exactly. And I think that, uh, well, I... I shouldn't say because I'm not 100% sure, but um, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I don't know. I, I was going to – I was. I, I thought another person um, that was famous died of AIDS that actually went with something that uh, we were just talking about before, but I can't find that, so I don't want to say it because I don't want to spread um, rumors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So um, let's, let's jump over to um, – the one that we have about the German singer. Yes. So there's a German singer, um, a German pop star, and um, supposedly she, I, I have not heard of her, but um, she's a former singer in the, the girl band. It's called No Angels. Um, and what happened was she was um, found guilty um, a couple of weeks ago, of causing grievous bodily harm and attempted bodily harm for failing to tell her sexual partners that she was infected with HIV. Um, so she was given a two-year suspended sentence in order to complete 300 hours of community service with people who are HIV positive. So not that that should be a sentence. I mean, that's a wonderful thing <laughs> to be able to do. Um, but that's something that happened, and, and it's it's part of the discussion of the criminalization of of being HIV and sort of bringing up the idea of 
whose responsibility is it? Is it? Um, is it the responsibility of the person who's HIV and having sex or the person who's not infected to ask? And so what do you think about that? Yeah, that's always a fight. That's always a fight that people have. You know, it's always a debate whether it's all the responsibility. I mean, honestly, for me, I somebody obviously did not disclose to me when yeah. I was having sex. So I know what it's like not to be disclosed to. Right. So... For me, I feel that it's all my responsibility as the person with the disease. But, you know, people give up a good fight, and I understand. And I, yeah. I people are entitled to their opinions, and whatever works for you works for you. But yeah. for me, I can't live like, I can't live with that on my conscience. Right. Exactly. You know, this is something that we talk about um a lot in my HIV-infected, affected support group, um, and that is where does the responsibility lie? And um, some people, <laughs> you know, some people say that it's the person who's infected, and some people say that it isn't, and, uh, you know, that everybody should sort of assume that everybody else is positive and, and take ownership of their own health. Um, so it's, it's definitely something to, to think about. Um, and to, to sort of figure out and, and not stigmatize people either. It's, it's, you know, it's one of those things that I think we're, people with HIV are going to constantly battle, you know, yeah. um, of the prostitution part. And I just think, it, I don't know, it's just, it's so, like, so stressful thinking about it. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. That people can just instantly switch and totally lie, and then you have no proof. Right, exactly. And you know, not, but she admits. She admitted to, you know, yeah. having sex and not disclosing, I believe. So. Yeah, she did. Um, you know, there's, there's also sort of the, the thought that um, what happens if, you know, say two people are dating and the other – you know, that one of them tests negative, but then it's too early in their seroconversion and they actually have the illness and then they pass it on to the other person. Is there fault? Is there blame? And how do you deal with that sort of thing? Oh, I couldn't even imagine. I mean, that, that reminds me of one of the blogs um, that I just read on, on the Positive Network that somebody was talking about. He, he was newly diagnosed and his partner was negative the last time they tested, and they're continuing to have unprotected sex. Yeah. And for me, I mean, there, there's that worry of, you know, possibly reinfecting yourself with a stronger, you know, strain of the virus and all that, you know, super infection, they call it. You know what I mean? And then they tried to throw it back at me and say that, you know, if you're newly diagnosed, a strain is, it'll be the same strain, so it's no big deal. And for me... I'm sorry, if you're in a relationship and you're HIV positive, you should have unprotected sex, period. Mm. I mean, I, I, that's just for me. You know what I mean? People have their own opinions, just like I said, but you should still, I don't know. Even if, I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. You know, I, there's, <laughs> it's, it's sort of like people have the right to choose what they want to do um, mm -hmm. and to choose how they want to act and what behaviors they want to do. And, um, that's important for people to have that choice and have that right. Um, 
But then again, you, you sort of want to help people protect themselves too. So you want to arm them with the tools to make those proper decisions. Um, and then you sort of have to you – know, I work with young people, so I'm always like, oh, I sort of want to hold them and like not let them go and not let anything happen to them. Um, but there's times when you have to give them the information, know that they have the information, and then sort of let them go out into the world and, and hopefully make um, informed decisions, you know, whatever, whatever decisions those might be. One of the comments here I see from uh, Kyle in Hawaii, he says uh, m most people would probably choose to disclose if the stigma was lifted. You know what I mean? And that's it's, it's very true, and that's why we do things like, you know, the radio show. And, we, and I, that's why, you know, people like me and Scott stand up and, and say that we're HIV positive and, and live it. So that stigma, you know, by one person, by one person to the next person, hopefully – you know, the world starts getting inspired by inspired by everyone else, and they start missing the stigma itself. I mean, that's kind of why we come out of the the pause closet, so to speak. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's it's so important, and and it's hard. It's really, really very hard um, to be able to do that. Um, I know a lot of people that that just can't and that just aren't ready yet for one reason or another. Um, but like you said, if if people like you and me, um, and, and you really help people in such a huge way by creating this community, Paz I Am, and having this radio show, and doing all of this amazing, wonderful work to create that community, um, it, I direct people to Paz I Am all the time. Um, the young people, um, people, that, people that I work with, and people that I know, and I direct them here because I feel like anybody could be could benefit from being a part of the Pazayam community. Um, you never know when it's going to affect you, um, mm -hmm. and you never know when you might need advice or when you might need someone to talk to. And there's just lots of really good people on the site, lots of good chat rooms and lots of good discussion boards. And uh, it's a real place to get that kind of support that a lot of people don't have. You know, we were just talking about earlier in the show about Utah. And um, I don't know that there's so much support that's there like there is here in New York or like there is where you are in Philly. And uh, so to have it in cyberspace is a really important piece. So thank you for always, always thank you for doing that hard work because you really, oh, I appreciate you really that. make it happen. Yeah. Um, you know, I have a, a question when people sign up, they, how do they hear from us? And some people actually have signed up, and I saw them answer Scott Kramer. Oh, really? So it's kind of interesting that, you know, because I like to see where people come from. If, it, if it's from an article on HIV Plus or from a lot of people hear from it from the logo um, yeah. series, the HIV and Me. So it's interesting to hear where people find me. Absolutely. I think it's always fun. And that hour just, like, flew by, and I can't believe that we're almost done. I know. <laughs> How did that happen? Right, right. So I just want to remind people real quick that you can uh, go ahead and catch any of our, our past shows in the archives on iTunes or go to blogtalkradio.com backslash POSIM. Um, you can check out our last show that we just did um, on the 15th of August. We had Jade Electra come on, and she shared her uh, story. And like I said, next week we have uh, Positive Light. Uh, uh, founder Brian Finch, come on for a week, uh, actually a day of hot topics. 
and then um, we'll talk about the rest of the shows coming up, um, you know, on the site. So, again, uh, you can find Scott on Facebook at Scott Kramer, or you can find him on Twitter at scott to be real right? Yep, yep, you got I it. I love that. I think it's great. You guys can find more information on the show and PauseIM itself at PauseIM.com. That's P-O-Z-I-A-M. And you can find me on Facebook and Twitter at the same way. Scott, have a great night, and thanks for sitting in with me, man. Anytime. You have a great night, too. Good night, everyone. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and we'll see you all next week. Take good care.